what we do is we teach Christians how to be missionaries to their own city. So we do a Friday, it starts Wednesday night, um, services at night are open for you guys are busy down here, but if you know people that live up in that area, send them our way. So it uh, starts Wednesday night, we're having J.J. Ramirez, he's from uh, Brazo Valley, Texas, and he, he was a former gang member and an addict, and he's Latino. The area that we're in right now is full of the Latino population, so we're really targeting them and, and going after their families. And also, Jay, uh, Brandon De La Gaza, he is a rap artist. I can guarantee you would hear every word he speaks. He's so clear, and his message is so powerful. So Brandon will be there, and he's uh, also Latino, he's Mexican. So he's going to be there ripping it up in the hood. And we've got, we got a lot of people that are going to be coming um, and sharing in Moon Bounce, or Bounce House, and Pony Rides, and Cookout. Uh, in that, that video from last year, there was close to 2,000 people that we reached in the park that year. The mayor came out to find out what was going on. It's the biggest thing that happens in the city. This year, we're up on the hill. We bought property just last September. We'll be there a year. Our first service was Christmas Day. And the new area that we're in, instead of being in the population where there was a lot of homeless people, uh, we're now in a population of Latino gangs. So we have a lot of uh, kids from uh, gangs that are coming to our church. We're doing what's called the Kids Club, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now. And uh, we have literally people that are coming whose families that are at odds with one another, who have issues with one another, and they're standing in line, they're checking in their kids together, and their kids are playing together. So God is bringing peace up on the hill. It's really exciting. And what I really feel in my heart to share with you today is that you have need of endurance. I know that when God called me to be a missionary to our city, listen, I was just a Joe Schmo Christian. And when I, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say that, but I mean, I was just getting along. I was doing my job. I was loving Jesus. I was worshiping the Lord. I was giving my tithe. I was serving in ministry in the church. I was doing all I knew to do, but I was just Joe Christian. And all of a sudden, one day, man, God got a hold of me and rocked my world and just ruined everything that was norm. And um, I got, well, Chris was in my youth group, Daryl, of course, and Bethany was in the youth group that I did. I mean, they could tell you. Anybody we, else? Well, huh? Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't think so, but we had an awesome youth group back in the day, but, I mean, we would just be in Joe Christians until all of a sudden God got a hold of us and turned us from being inward with great worship, great prayer, great fellowship, great time together, great ministry, but then God did something, and it, we became compelled to go out on the streets. And it is 13 years later, and we're still hitting the streets. And the thing that I've realized, if I can come and share one thing with you, is that we have need of endurance. What happens is, is that as Christians, we get a call from God, we get a vision from God, we get a promise from God, we get an idea from God, we get a passion from God, and within the first year, five years, even ten years, it becomes almost kind of like, God, did you say? I thought you said, but it seems that my life is going in the exact opposite direction. And I cannot tell you how many times I've come to a crossroads in my life. And I say, Lord, I thought you said that we were going to impact the streets. I thought you said we were going to feed the poor. I thought you said that I was not to worry about finances. That's what I thought you said, because the word of the Lord says it, the prophets say it, you know, the, the dream you gave me said it, but here I am, not seeing any fruit, not seeing any results, not seeing any money, not seeing anything that you said, and so what am I to do at this place? I'm at a crossroads. So God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand, not because I see the fruit, not because I see any reason to stand other than I am going to believe you at your word, that you are not a man that you should lie. And I'm going to stand here and come hell or high water. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I'm serious. Hell comes 
and the floods come and you think you're going to drown. Sometimes I've had to take a straw, stuck it up my nose to get above the water level so I can breathe. Now, come, I'm, I'm not literally. I hope they don't know me real well yet, Dee. <laughs> but I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm going to drown. Hello? Give me a straw, will you, Lord? And it's just like I, I feel like it's going to overtake me. It's going to overwhelm me. And then you've got the voices of Job all around you. What are you doing? Why are you doing that for you? Like, you're a lady. Don't you know you're a lady in New England? It ain't going to work with you. you got to get a man to do the job. I just all of the things that come. It's not working, haven't you noticed? Isn't this a little bit harder? Didn't Jesus say, my burden is light and my yoke is easy? Is this easy? Well, then it's not Jesus. And I mean, just all these things flood your mind. Sometimes it's just the warfare in your own mind just to say, you know what, God? I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for the my burden is light and my yoke is easy thing. I don't get this. And then, and then you rent a video, Mother Teresa, or you, you turn on the internet and you hear Heidi Baker talking about what she goes through. And all of a sudden you're like, I got a cake one. I'm just a big baby. I'm just boo-hooing over nonsense that really when I think about what they go, have gone through, what they live in, and what compared to what I have to go through, what am I complaining about? And I have to shake it off, and I have to say, Lord, forgive me for being a wimp. I need to be strong in the Lord and the power is might. I need to encourage myself. And that's what the Bible says. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes ain't nobody around you to say, come on, get your giddy up and go. You have to do it for yourself. And it doesn't mean, hey, God, I'm going to take care of myself and do this for myself and pull my own, you know, myself up from the bootstraps. It simply means this, God, whether anybody encourages me or not, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. And I'm going to stand. If I die, then I die. I love what Esther said. If I die, I die. What up? I, you know, what am I going to do? I can't fix the situation. All I can do is be true to what I believe is the word of the Lord and stand in faith and trust him even in my weakness. Even when I fail, even when it looks like there's no fruit, even when everybody's saying, when are you going to figure it out, lady? Enough already. Give up. Quit. Go home. Just be normal. Yes. Why do you have to be so, so intense? Why do you have to be so, who cares? It's always been this way. Just leave it alone. It'll go away. Just get on with life. You know, you could be driving a nice car right now. Not that my car's shabby. But, you know, you could be taking trips right now. You could be doing this right now. You could be doing, you could be living the life. I mean, after all, you're 60, you've paid your dues. Come on, just give it up. It's too hard. Let go. And I have to come back time and time and time again and say, Lord, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to go ahead and read this for you. I don't know if you want to look along or how you do it here, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 39. Oh, I'm in the midst of all the technological people. Oh, there's some paper rattling. <laughs> but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you had revelation, you endured a great start struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Man, it is hard work. I don't know who told you it wasn't. It's hard work. When you gear up your mind and you say, it's hard, then you're not so surprised that it's so hard. But if you don't gear up your mind, if you think it's going to be something other than what it is, it's hard work. When I read the life of Paul and I read what he went through and I think about this, hey, God speaks to him, you're going to Rome and you're going to be a witness for me in Rome. Excellent. Going by train, by bus, by plane. No, by ship. And it's going to get wrecked. And you're going to go, by the way, as a prisoner in chains. And, oh, by the way, and it's going to get wrecked, and you're going to float to shore on the Isle of Malta, and I just, by the way, just want to let you know, you're going to get bit by a snake. Oh, awesome. I mean, aren't you glad God doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen to you? All he said was you're going to Rome to be a witness. I didn't sign up for the, the chains and the shipwreck and the snake. It just kind of came along with the package. So all of the stuff that happens along the way, is stuff that God uses as a witness for who He is in the midst yeah. of the problem. Yes. Wow. See, there's a there's a little plaque in our in our kitchen. What's it say? What does it say? Yeah. <laughs> Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's inviting God in the middle. Of it. It's the presence of God in the in midst. The of it. That's right. So peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God in That's the midst good. of it. That's good. I like it. And so if we're looking for absence of conflict and say, well, God must, must not be here because there's conflict. Listen, everywhere I go, I have conflict. Amen. I don't try to create it. I don't look for it. I am not a person of conflict. But everywhere I go, there's conflict with spiritual forces. There's conflict with religious forces. There's conflict with all kinds of stuff because we have an enemy. And the enemy wants to stop us from working. I love the wisdom of Nehemiah. There are seven oppositions that came against Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the wall. And I love this one response that he has. He said, look, you're trying to engage me in a debate with you, so I stop the work, and then you cause me to act in such a way that's going to cause reproach on me and be a disgrace. I'm not going to do it. I'm not stopping the work so I can come and debate with you. See, when you're obeying the Lord, religious spirits want to debate with you. And tell you all the reasons why you can't do what you're doing. And if you listen to them, guess what? You, get, you buy the lie, and then you get sucked right into it. Well, this is New England. You don't really believe that revival is going to come to New England now, do you? It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. It is the, it is the core of a religious spirit here in New England. Everything that the Lord says in His Word, I don't know about you, but when I read in the book of Acts, and I read what the book of Acts and where the church started, and the Lord says, greater works will be the latter days of the church than the former days, uh, we are not even where the former days were. We have lost everything that we once had, and now where we're at is going, is there signs and wonders? Is there a God? Does He care? We have religion, we have do's and don'ts, we have regulations, we have all the rules, we have the social club, we have all of that. But do we have the living word? Are we living the word? And I know that for me, I don't point fingers, I'm going this way. I'm saying, God, what is keeping me from walking in the fullness of what the early church walked in? What's keeping me there? I want to see the manifestations of the Spirit of God. And I've actually had people that say to me, listen, if it starts getting funky around here, I'm out of here. I'm like, awesome. 
I like what my pastor says. Some of you are a blessing when you come, and some of you are a blessing when you go. <laughs> but that's what that's what that's what a religious spirit says. You better do it the way I think you should. You better preach the amount of time I think you should, and you better stay on the topics that I think you should. And you better not invite that Holy Spirit guy here because he does funky stuff. And I want to make sure it's decent and in order. And so I just say to people, God bless you, this must not be the house for you to, to dwell in because I, I want Holy Spirit. I cry out Holy yeah. Spirit. I ask Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, today in our church service, we had a manifestation. Somebody got deliverance, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't clean. And Daryl's been around when, when there's deliverance that happens. I don't know why, but they always take me down with them. So we're ministering to this lady. Kevin gets a word of knowledge, and I'm like all excited. This guy has had massive, massive, it's a, it's a miracle he's alive. He had a massive brain bleed. They thought it was cancer in his head. So instead of dealing with the massive brain bleed, they leave him like that for a week and schedule to open him up thinking they're going to remove something. It's a, wonder that miracle, it's a miracle he's alive. So because of it, he has a severe consequences. He's 72 years old, and God bless him, he can't drive, he can't hardly read, and he can't comprehend, he can't count. Because of the damage done in his brain. So here's this guy. He gets a word of knowledge from God today in church. And he's, and he's all nervous. I've never had this before. But we're praying God signs and wonders. Not words of knowledge. Words of wisdom. Discerning of spirits. Deliverance. Healing. Wholeness. God would you come. And so he says I think I have a word. People with mental issues are going to get healed today. I said awesome. Kev go to the mic. And he's like oh. So he goes to the mic and he says. Um, today if you have mental issues and we have a lot of people in our church that have mental issues because that's the people we're called to the broken, the last, the least, the lost and the little and so they come, we gather them and so he says, anybody with mental issues where well, the line was from here to the back of the church uh. <laughs> so here's this guy that can't remember old what's her name and he's standing there trying to read a scripture first and tell people God's going to heal them of their mental issues and they come so there's this one lady standing there, right? And she's living a lifestyle that's whoop. And so she comes and she stands there. Well, I put my hand in the back of her neck. Now I'm letting him pray because he's got the word of knowledge and he's the one that's praying and I'm just standing alongside agreeing and, and amening. And so I put my hand in the back of her neck and when I did, she flipped out. And when she flipped out, she took the pastor out with her. <laughs> so, but while we were down there, man, she got some massive deliverance. And so I know we got new people in the church. We got some people that have never been there before. We got people with kids sitting on the front row, and there's this hoo-ha happening. And so I get up to the mic, and I said, how many of you know we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, come? And when he comes, we got to take how he comes. Amen. And he came today, and I said to this woman, come, and did you get touched by the Lord today? And she said, I got touched by the Lord. And I said, that's all that matters. That's what it's about. Let's come together, believe God that he's going to show up, and then when he shows up, let's not tell him we didn't like how he did it. Come on. <laughs> So anyway, but we have need of endurance. Listen, I'm pressing in and I'm going after it. And if I don't see it in my day and age, I'm young, I'm 60 young. I'm not old. I'm not old. I'm not old. I'm young, I'm 60 young. But anyway, I know there's a scripture verse that says this. Some having died, never seeing the promise. I want to tell you, I believe for a long life. I'm doing all that I can to live a healthy, long life. I want to be here for my kids and my grandkids. But I have a very dear friend. She died in her sleep at 50 years old. No indication of any reason of death at all after the autopsy. No reason. She just, like God, took her like Enoch. She walked with God and then was no more. So I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. So how I live today, I live today in the hope of, not will I have a tomorrow here on the earth, 
But I live in, the, in today with the hope of, I am trusting the Lord that the promises of God, even if I don't see it in my day and age, that the seeds that I'm sowing now are seeds that will bring a harvest someday, even if I don't get to see the seeds that brought forth the harvest. Okay? Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8 says, I just got a couple of verses. I promise I won't keep you too long in this hot house. You're growing some good plants here, though, Dean. Second <laughs> Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what I'm living for. I'm not living to see the results, although I like results. I can't think of a single person that doesn't. But I'm not living for the results. I'm living for the Lord. I'm doing what I'm doing. And many times I've said this. I've said, God, if I don't see any fruit, if I don't see any results, if I don't see, somebody come along, pat me on the back. And come on, let's be real. We're human. Don't you like that? Somebody say, good job, I'm proud of you. And then when you get overlooked, all of a sudden your flesh is like, hey, I did that. How come they're not acknowledging me? I did that. Well, shut up. You're going to get a reward in heaven. What's more important, the praise of men on this earth or the reward that comes from heaven? From the Lord on that day. Just, but we're human. We're flesh. So we have to give that up before the Lord and just say, God, whether they know it or not, whether I get credit or not, I love the scripture verse. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is so stinking cool. Ecclesiastes 9, 14 through 15. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no one remembered that same poor man's name. No one remembered it. And yet God used this one poor man, wise man, to deliver an entire city. See, what matters not what men say about you, what matters is what God says about you. Yes. As a matter of fact, when you receive the praise of men, you better give it up to the Lord when it comes on you, because you don't want it to stay. You want to give it to Him, because I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't too pretty, and I don't mean facially, I don't mean that way. I wasn't too pretty before the Lord found me. I was pretty dang ugly. My heart was ugly, it was black, I was full of selfishness, self-centeredness, I was a difficult, hard person, I was angry, I was bitter, I was full of rage, I was not a pretty one. And when God got a hold of my life and began to squeeze out of me all the brokenness, squeeze it out with his love, and he began to change me and fashion me and form me who I am today is because of the work of the cross, not because of how I was born or the home I was raised in or the good foundation I had. I had none of that. Who I am today is a work of the cross. So when praise comes, it ain't because Marlene Yo is, is good. It's because I know a good God. Amen. And the praise that I get belongs to the Lord. Yes. Amen. So we have this hope that's in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 through 25. We were saved, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for one who does Excuse me. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I hope to see city transformation. I hope to see a population of brokenness 
and addicts and prostitutes and gang members and people that are in distress. I hope to see them come to the Lord. I hope and I wait and I persevere in prayer. I've had people say to me, we're in our fourth year of our house of prayer in Haverhill. Um, you know, it hasn't grown beyond what we started. And people say, well, you know, maybe it's time to reevaluate and just say, you know what, it's not working. I said, ah, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. I'd rather stay doing what we're doing, knowing it isn't growing, just staying there, remaining steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't care if there's only one or two people in that house of prayer at a prayer set. Stay. Remain. Persevere. Keep on keeping on. Every time I look at that picture, I don't know if any of you know where it's from. It's from Hernhut, Germany. It's the Moravian prayer tower. And when I was up on the top of that tower, Bethany and I had the privilege of actually going there and being at the top of the Moravian prayer tower. And when I stood up there and I said, God, would you do in America what you've done in Hernhut, Germany? Would you raise up houses of prayer all across the nation? And when I was there, and I remember Bethany saying to me, Mama, you okay? And I said, I don't know what just happened to me, but something happened. And I came back from that place, and I talked to my staff, and I said, I don't care if it's just me in the house. I'm going to obey the mandate that I felt from God to start a house of prayer. And here we are four years later, unbroken prayer, every Monday through Friday, 8.30 in the morning and Friday nights. Now, a lot of people go, well, that's not a house of prayer. It's not 24-7. Awesome. I'd love to have, I can't build a 24-7 house of prayer, but you know what? By cracky, what I can do, I can do what we're doing. And I can stay faithful in the small. Don't despise small beginnings. Stay steady as she goes. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, and don't waver to the left or to the right. Do not listen to the, all of the voices that are out there telling you, Yabats. Stay focused, and the Lord is going to bless and keep us, and He is going to, He's going to make sure that the promises of God, whether we see it in our time or not. And you know, I tell the Lord this a lot, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a uh, mm, pessimist wishing to die, but hear my heart. Lord, sometimes revival comes when somebody dies. Hey, let it be me. I'm not looking to die early. I love my family. You hear what I'm saying? But how does revival come? Through persecution through troubles, through trials, through all kinds of horrible things. You know, people say to me, well, you're going to go up on the hill. It's really bad up there. There's a lot of gangs. Yeah, so? What are they going to do, kill me? Awesome. I could care less. So I have no fear. So when I go to the church, I'm not, boogeyman's around the corner. I'm going to die today. I'm like, awesome, bring it on. But then I know this, in the fullness of time, my life cannot be snuffed out. But see, I don't have fear. See, as long as you have fear, you're going to fail. Fear that you're going to be rejected. Fear that you're going to, you know, you lose your life. Whatever the fear is, as long as you have fear, you will never be able to fulfill your destiny. Because it will keep you in a place of being paralyzed instead of being strong in the Lord and the power of His might and being able to press in and persevere and be enduring till the promise comes. So God is trying to bring the church to the place that we are strong in Him. And then, um, yeah, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to do this real quick. I brought Molly with me. Molly's going to share a few minutes about what the Lord's doing in her life and about perseverance. And I, you're going to be blessed. I'm blessed every time I hear her testimony. I'm blown away. But I just want to share this verse and a few more things with you. And then I'm going to ask her to come and share. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, Knowing that tribulation produce oh that's a repeat that's fun how did I do that <laughs> okay but let me just kind of phase out this section with this and and uh, we'll move on when we first moved into the city there were three storefronts these storefronts were something that we prayed around this city block for probably four years we prayed for God to give us an opportunity to move into these storefronts never. Seeing the opportunity come, probably four years later, we moved into the storefronts. And what happened is, I met with, prior to moving in, four years before, I had met with the mayor, and I told the mayor about the vision that we had for that city block and the storefronts. And these were his words, as long as I'm mayor, you will not be in those storefronts. I have a vision for that area, and you will not be in those storefronts. Awesome. And then he dismissed me. I have another appointment. Thank you for coming. I'm like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> so what happened is, all of a sudden, we had to move out of the space that we were in, and three storefronts at the same time all opened up, and this is the space that we needed. So I went, signed on the dotted line, we rented the storefronts, and it became World War III with the health inspector's department and the fire department. Matter of fact, it made the front page of the newspaper. Uh, city pastor at war with ch you know, chief of fire, fire chief. I'm like, awesome, what <laughs> This is great. So anyway, what happened is I found out from somebody that's friends in the mayor's office that because of what I had done, the mayor's office telephones had been lit up for weeks. Get that lady out of there. Get those people out of there. They can't be in there. That's not what we want for our city. And I mean, it was a spiritual battle. It was intense. It cost us $10,000 and six months later, and I was at the doctor's office. I had an outbreak from my wrist to my, my, the top of my arm, my back, the back of my head, the back of my legs. Don't ask me why it was all the back, but anyway. So I go to the doctor and I say, what have I got? And she said, it's called burnout stress. I was under such intense spiritual warfare. My whole body had broken out in this incredible rash that was incurable. It was a neurological situation. All that best they could do is treat it topically. And so I, I'm like, yes, talk, tell me about it. You know, I mean, this city block that we were on was the block, she'll tell you, with drugs, prostitution, and it was the highest crime rate in the city of Havel. You think the devil wanted us in there? No. Not at all. We had an intense spiritual battle. I won't go into all the details, but what in, the outcome that came out of it is this. It ended up another time on the front page of the newspaper how the city block has changed. The gateway to downtown is now um, crime-free. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't have it, but I'll tell you what. When we were there, true, crime stopped. <laughs> Guys would come to sell drugs. We'd go out there and say, hey, can we help you? Yeah, lady, you can help me. Okay, let me get your, your uh, license plate number. What for? Well, in case I needed to call uh, 911. Whew, they're gone. You know what I mean? You do, you'd have to confront it. Guys out there... Ready to knock out their girlfriends? You take the cell phone, you say, is this on? Oops. Take the cell phone and you say, excuse me, would you like me to call 911? Do you need some help? They see you step right up to the plate, they take off. You just got to confront evil. We know that, that uh, logo, that motto, that's all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do? Nothing. Nothing. Thank you. When you do something, it stops. 
So we don't just pray, we do. And as we pray and do, God moves in powerful ways. So what ended up happening is we had this incredible testimony from City Hall, from City Council, from this whole realm of people that said I shouldn't be in there, now singing the praises how that city block had literally been transformed by the power of God. They use that word, a block transformed by the power of God. And then God sends us up the hill to where we are now where we bought property. It's amazing what God will do with people who are willing. Not because they're knowledgeable. I want to tell you, I'm a little old white lady. God's got me in the middle of Latinoville. I never was a drug lord. I never was a gangbanger. I never was any of these things now that I'm ministering to. So if you say, well, what can I do, Lord? Just say yes and wait and see what the Lord will do with you. All right, I want to just end with this. I love this poem. It's by an unknown author. Whoever they were was wise. It's called Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but do not quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. You have need of endurance. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm going to ask Molly to come and share now. Um, a little bit of what God's put in her heart about enduring. Molly Ledesma, can you guys make her feel welcome? I'll be, I'll be kind of short and brief. Um, the seeds that Pastor Marlene sowed have become the reason why I'm standing in front of you today. Um, she was doing food pantries. She was doing drives. Um, I, was, I still am married to a Latino, Latin king. I was caught in a world I knew nothing about. Um, I remember one Easter outreach when she did this puppet show and gave us food. And I never felt what it was like to have a family. That piece lasted 20 minutes. I didn't know anybody. I mean, I had to turn my focus because my homeboy was stealing the tie box off the wall. But for that second, I could feel it, you know? And I just, I knew something about that lady was safe. Uh, a few years later, I went into her storefront, and I was a bull in a china shop. And I said, where's my pastor? And I bounded through the front door, and the people were leaders. They never met me. They're like, who is this lady? I said, excuse me, wasn't talking to you. <laughs> and I just went, bam. And the seeds, as she talks about endurance, when she came to City, she never knew she was going to meet a Molly Ledesma. She never knew what she was doing. But the seeds that she was planting was actually preparation for letting God come in and do what he was going to do. Um, I remember one time when we were, um, I had went in there a really bad day, really hard time, and um, I had her pray for me and I hit the floor. Bam! 
And when I woke up, <laughs> I never felt it was the best high in my life. It was free. And it lasted three weeks later, and I said, wow, what is that? That is awesome. <laughs> 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 Praise the Lord, going to tell people about this. So anyway, um, so I told her, I said, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to work with you, and I'm going to help the people of these streets. So then I went to get baptized. Don't you know the devil tried to play with me again? Oh, yeah, you like Jesus, and you're... You know, you're sober for a few weeks, but I'll push your button. Bam, someone started a fight with me. And I was like, okay, my husband's going to be in prison. He's going to prison to do a bid, so he wants to get baptized. I want to be baptized because I want to get out of this street life. No problem. So she hooked it up in Lowell. He's off to prison like two days later. And I'm like, good. Mm -mm, wasn't going to happen. She came in running her mouth trying to stop this. Don't you know I was out in front of her church trying to bang this lady out. She's in the middle going, stop it! And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I went back in with my head hung down. I was so embarrassed. And I'm like, there's no way I can get baptized now. you got to be a saint. To get baptized, you got to get, you know, clean. So I was a pothead with, like, a massive temper. I'm like, there's no way I can do this. So um, she looked at me and she said, you know what? It doesn't matter. God knows your heart. And he loves you. And there's nothing that you can do. You know, and I made the choice, and I went and got baptized anyway. And now I'm happy to say that um, I am with the kids' camp now. Um, I work in food pantries. I do block parties. Um, a lot of the kids that are in my summer camp, like she was saying, I know their dads. Um, they're um, rival gang, you know, leaders. And they actually come, and they talk to me. And it is just the best feeling in the world. And there's one thing that I really wanted to share that the God put on my heart. And it says, we need to love without expectancy. And never give up, even when you don't see results. You know in God's time, your fruit and the love will branch out. And the seeds you plant will save a molly in your city. Thank you. with this. These are some quotes that I want to leave with you. Our strength often increases in proportion to the obstacles that oppose it. What was hard to suffer is sweet to remember. Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. Suffering is inevitable. Misery is an option. As the sycamore fig does not ripen unless it's bruised, as the corn does not leave the husk without threshing, as the wheat makes no fine flour unless it's ground, so we are of little use until we've been afflicted. When we're in a situation where Jesus is all we have, we soon discover he's all we really need. Men will never be great in theology until they're great in suffering. Christ was willing to suffer and be despised. How dare we complain of anything? Once they've taken everything from me, I respond like Christ. They have lost their control over me. When I left the church that I was in to answer the call of God on the mission that he sent me, I lost everything. When I say I lost everything, I lost everything. Lost my home. I lost my salary. I lost my position that I had. I lost my place in a church that I served 20 years. I lost my friends. I lost people that were dear to me. I lost everything. I thought it was over. I said, God, it's over. Little did I know that the suffering that I went through was preparing me to sow good seed 
in a city for people like Molly. I did not know. I didn't know how God was going to use my suffering, but he used it all. In times of defeat, we never know how close we are to victory. In the event of failure, God has planted a seed of success. God gave me nothing I wanted and everything I needed. Christian character does not come, excuse me, does not get strong by life of success. <laughs> Everywhere a greater joy is perceived by a greater suffering. We're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. God, who foresee your tribulation, has especially armed you to go through it, not without pain, but without stain. That's good. Unless we can look at the darkest, blackest fact full in the face without damaging God's character, we do not yet know him. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. We have a God who delights in impossibilities. Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Not one of us knows what effect his life produces and what he gives to others that is hidden from us and must remain so. Though we are often allowed to see some little fraction of it so that we may not lose courage, the way in which power works is a mystery. We have got to endure regardless of men's opinion, regardless of opposition, regardless of difficulties, regardless of challenges. It's time for the church to grow up. And we love and serve and honor the Lord who name we, we name the name of Christ, not because of what he does for us, not because of what we can get from him, but because of who he is. And when we grow up to be that mature church, come hell or high water, we'll stand, we'll remain, and we will see the fruit and the reward of our life, if not in this life, in the life to come. Amen. God bless you. Well, is that good or what? Let's give her another clap, huh? Now, what I can say is this woman is the real deal. I, I actually have my own testimony, as well as we all do, but... Uh, she played a, a, a important and very significant primary role in my testimony. And uh, I'm a Molly, in a, in a way, and uh, it's because of her dedication to, uh, you know, uh, seeing uh, Christ formed in me that I'm here today before you. So uh, we're, we're not just hearing from somebody who, you know, observes, observes things from a distance and just lets other people do the work. And this girl gets her hands right in there. She does it. She's in there swinging. And it's just a blessing that we're able to have her here today. Um, but we also want to bless her. You know, they're doing a tremendous work over there in Haverhill, man. I mean, 